0: You're listening to the Employment Rights Online podcast where we discuss everything employment rights and the job. Hey there! I hope you're doing as well as can be expected under the present coronavirus conditions as we approach, can you believe it, our eighth week in lockdown. Well, what can I say? After a pretty quiet last week, the government excelled itself with a level of confusion attached to updates provided about the relaxation of lockdown rules leaving the general public feeling no further forward about the planned way forward regarding aspects like who they can see or not see, and of course, returning to work. Now, as you know, this podcast is about employment rights, so that's where I'm going to focus my attention. The big announcement that came from government in the last week is that there will be an easing of lockdown rules for workers with an expectation that people start returning to work from the 13th of May 2020, which was yesterday, and that they should return to work if they can do so safely and cannot work from home. Now, after much confusion with this statement, government finally clarified that this advice was meant for people who by and large have already returned to work in areas such as manufacturing and construction, distribution, food production and similar sorts of fields. So there are lots of workers in these areas who never really stopped working, although some staff were furloughed and now the advice is that all workers in those areas who can't perform their work duties at home should be encouraged to return to work. And in support of that decision, government said that work had already been done with employers to ensure employers remained aware of workers' safety in areas like social distancing and hand washing. Now, of course, no information was provided about how those workers would be able to keep themselves safe on public transport, especially in big city areas where the numbers of people moving around during rush hour is much higher. And the only advice given is that people should walk and cycle to work to maintain social distancing measures. Well, I guess that will be okay for workers who live pretty close to work. But given that the average daily commute to work has risen from 48 minutes to one hour now since 2017, with the average worker now spending two hours or more each day travelling to and from work, the prospect of being expected to add walking or cycling to and from work, as you can imagine, didn't inspire workers with a lot of joy. The other thing that doesn't inspire workers with a lot of joy is being expected to go back to work without any plans for what will happen about their access to PPE. PPE or personal protective equipment and the absence of it has featured consistently in news bulletins surrounding the coronavirus. And yet there was nothing about PPE in the government statement. Everyone and the whole world knows the struggle the UK has gone through to provide enough PPE for its frontline workers. And there is no doubt that workers lost their lives because of the absence of PPE. But despite this, there was no mention of plans for access to PPE in the return to work government statement. And this will likely raise additional questions about the liability of employers under employment rights legislation and health and safety legislation should their workers become sick in the future. Currently, employers do not know what liabilities they will face. So if employers don't know, how are workers supposed to fare any better? Now for the large majority of workers in other fields of employment employers had been expecting some form of return to work announcement because the furlough scheme or to give it its government name the coronavirus job retention scheme had only been put in place to pay 80 percent of workers salaries until June 2020. So an announcement that the government expected workers to return to work around this time was not entirely unexpected. So here's what's going to happen. The furlough scheme will continue until the end of October 2020 but that doesn't mean that workers will be staying at home until then. Instead the plan is that the majority of furloughed workers will be brought back to work in some form or another by October 2020. And to make sure that this happens, the government is proposing to change the way the furlough scheme will work. Currently, if you're a furloughed worker, government is paying 80% of your salary every month, a financial hit to the government coffers of about £8 billion every month paying the salaries of about 7.5 million furloughed workers. Now, this current furlough scheme is expected to stay in place in its current form until July 2020, which means that government will continue to pay 80% of salaries in exactly the same way as payment is made now. And as I've said, this will continue until the end of July 2020. After July 2020, the plan is that government will expect employers to start bringing workers back to work, but to do this on a more flexible basis. Now, how that flexibility will look hasn't been decided yet, but one example might be That employers start bringing workers back to work on a part time basis. To support employers to do this, the government is proposing to change the way furloughed payments are made and will start asking your employers to make a contribution to work salaries. So, in effect, what's likely to happen is that if you're a worker returning to work, let's say you return to work part time, the expectation is that you should receive your full salary for the part-time work you complete and for the other half of the time when you are not working, you should receive 80% of your salary up to £2,500 every month and this will continue from the date you return to work until October 2020 when it's expected that all workers will return to work under normal working practices. Other things that might happen is that government might decide that employers should phase in their workforce, meaning that you might have a mixture of workplace-based and home-based working. And if that's the case, then there won't be a need to furlough you if employers are able to meet that working arrangement. Now, it's clear that government are intending to make employers pay some of that furloughed salary, whether it's the full-time furloughed salary or the part-time furloughed salary. We don't know until the details have come out. And a lot can happen between now and October 2020, by which time it's expected that the economy will be cranked up again. All I can say is that Employment Rights Online will be there to report on this in our podcasts so that you'll be fully informed of what's going on at the time when this information is put out to the general public. Now, one of the key questions being asked by workers is what happens if I'm asked to return to work, but I don't want to go back because I'm afraid that my workplace isn't safe enough for me to return? or because I'm afraid that I might risk getting infected because I have to rely on public transport. What happens then? And the short answer to this is that employment rights legislation has not changed to accommodate the impact of coronavirus. And so if you're asked to return to work, you must return to work, or you could find yourself in breach of your contract of employment. And then if this happens you could then be subject to disciplinary procedures but i have looked at what other options you might have in this situation if you literally are afraid to go to work firstly you could take sick leave government guidance does say that you may not must but you may be able to return at home If you're self-isolating because you have the symptoms or if you're self-isolating at home because you're at high risk of the severe symptoms of the coronavirus and therefore you have to shield. If your GP is aware that you have an underlying health condition, your GP could advise that you are not fit to return to work and give you a medical certificate that explains this. In most cases, however, you will need to get an isolation note, which you can get online from NHS 111. Now, I'll put a link to that site at the bottom of the show notes where you're listening to this podcast. All you need to do is scroll down and click the live link and then follow the instructions on the website. Now, if you do stay home and you're given an isolation note, what's likely to happen to your salary is that because you're taking sick leave during or due to the impact of the coronavirus, you will likely only be paid statutory sick pay at a current rate of £95.85 pence per week. This is the minimum that you should receive, but you may be entitled to more if your employer has an enhanced sick pay scheme. Now, to be eligible for sick pay, you have to be an employee or an agency worker who has done some work for your employer. And you also have to earn an average of at least £120 per week. And you also have to have been self-isolating for at least four days. Now those four days can include days that you're not scheduled to work like weekends or non-working days and you can only receive statutory sick pay for 28 weeks. Now those 28 weeks are rolling weeks so if you've had a period of sick leave earlier on in your employer's year And what I mean by that is that some employers' years start in January to December. Lots of employers start April to the following March. If you've had any sick leave within that year period, that will also be taken into consideration with your 28 weeks. But the moment you hit 28 weeks, the sick pay will stop. Now, other things you can do to avoid having to go back to work are things like taking annual leave. The obvious problem with taking annual leave is that you don't have an unending period of leave you can rely on and it's highly likely given all the comments about how long we're likely to have to live with coronavirus in our lives that your leave will run out much sooner than the coronavirus concerns and at some point you'll be back where you started having to face the prospect of going back to work when you don't want to other things you could do are things like asking your employer for unpaid leave or for extended unpaid leave a bit like a sabbatical problem here is that both these options are in the gift of your employer to give you and if your employer is trying to get you back to work your success at getting this type of leave might be small now the final thing you could do could be to just tender your resignation and remain at home until the coronavirus conditions pass. Now I understand the anxiety that might make you take such drastic action and therefore I cannot say that this would be the wrong thing to do. All I can say is that you should consider your options and also the financial implications of leaving your job before considering this course of action, and also the financial implications of leaving your job. The news is that the economy has now entered a recession, and therefore during recession, employers shed workers. They don't generally tend to hire. So you do have to consider your options but if this is the best option for you then nobody really should stand in your way. And that's it for this week's update. I hope you find something of use and remember to let others know that we're here by sharing the podcast information and liking our podcast social media pages. Listening again next week to keep up to date with everything about your employment rights and the job. Bye for now.